Hi, and welcome back to SEPA Stories. All right, so for this episode, I have a really exciting story to share. This story has one of my favorite characters, which is Severus Snape. And I really love fan fiction stories that include this particular character. So I was so excited when I read this story and reached um, immediately out to the author to get permissions because I really, when I read through it, I'm like, oh, this is going to be perfect. So this story is titled The Snake and the Lion. It is written by a writer utilizing the pen name of Kokoro. 893, and I hope I pronounced that correctly. We do have a summary that's added to this piece of fan fiction, and it says, Armed with a time-turner, Severus is determined to save Lily and start over. The story is rated T. It is written in English. We do have elements of romance and family elements. Uh, We have Lily Evans Potter as a main character, and also Severus Snape. This is a more recent piece of fan fiction written on June the 14th, and it is a completed story. So if you were looking online and you were going to search by the author's pen name, um, the spelling of the author's name is K-O-K-O-R-O-893. And this story is titled, again, The Snake and the Lion. Now this does say that this is International Wizarding School Championship. It's round 10 finals. It's tropetastic. We do have some time travel. There's a main prompt or pairing of Severus and Lily. And this writer is thanking uh, two people who did some beta-ing work by the name of Sophie and Celine. And just very quickly, um, what a beta does on a piece of writing is When a writer completes a piece or is getting ready to publish a piece, they may have somebody who is in the role of beta who will go through, read the story, make any advisement on what maybe works for them, kind of what I do in the commentary. And certainly on a technical aspect or for writing itself, they might do things like help to clean up spilling, um, spilling, spilling errors or punctuation corrections so that they're basically acting in the role of an editor. So betas are incredibly important for a writer in fan fiction. And one of the things you can do, uh, listeners out there, if you're interested in helping a writer, is to sign up for these fan fiction sites and volunteer to be a beta if this is something that is, you know, of interest to you and you want to help get fine fiction out or you want to write uh, you might want to consider either getting a beta or being a beta this is a very important role for people who are publishing work in the fan fiction community okay with that let's go on and get to our wonderful wonderful story this is the snake and the lion as written by kokoro 893 and we will begin now The doorbell rang. Children were standing outside. Their faces were painted to look like skulls and zombies, wearing old rags covered in what looked like blood and lanterns in their hands. They looked at him with eyes full of expectation. Trick or treat, 
He reached for the bowl placed on the small wooden table next to the door and emptied the old, wizened apples into the children's bags. Before any of them could protest, he threw the door into their faces. Severus sat down on the armchair and pulled himself a generous glass of his home-brewed gin. The spicy liquid ran down his throat, leaving a burning trail behind. He had almost forgotten what day it was. He inhaled sharply, grimacing at the aftertaste of the alcohol. He stared at his big bookshelf, among which were some of his most valuable possessions. As proud as he was about his collection, it didn't fill the hole in his chest. Severus stood, went to retrieve his cloak, and disapparated. The sun had yet to set, but due to the surprisingly few people out on the streets, no one saw him. He looked at the red sky as he walked down Privet Drive. He stopped in front of house number four. He saw Petunia standing outside on the driveway. Even though he hadn't seen her in years, he had no trouble recognizing her. She was still very skinny. Two children were sitting on the ground. The fat child was drawing with a set of colored chalks. Every few moments, he looked up to Petunia, who eagerly fed him sweets. The other boy was sitting a few steps away. With his messy black hair, he looked every bit his father. With his small hands, Harry reached out for one of the chalks, but the fat child pushed him aside. Severus had a hard time not bursting into laughter. Served him right. Finally, James got what he deserved. Young Harry was every bit as arrogant as his father. Satisfied, Severus walked away down the quiet street. He was hit by a gust of wind. It was surprisingly cold, even for the end of October. He was starting to feel uneasy. There was an odd heaviness pressing against his chest, his throat constricted. All the joy he had felt mere moments ago had vanished. Instinctively, he reached for his wand. Severus exhaled. His breath came out in a puff of white smoke, and his arms were covered with goosebumps. He stopped and looked around. A Dementor was floating nearby. It was an odd sight. Why would a Dementor, a creature that fed on people's darkest feelings, be in a Muggle suburban area? They liked being in Azkaban as it was a rich feeding ground. As he watched the creature for a while, Severus was thrown back in time. It had been a year since Lily's death. He had done everything to protect her, even negotiated with both Dumbledore and the Dark Lord, but in the end, it wasn't enough. He would never forget how her lifeless body went cold and stiff as he held her in his arms. He had rocked her, tried to wake her up, but to no avail. Her hair still had smelt like her fruity shampoo mixed with her own scent, something Severus could never put his hands on. His heart broke when he had to leave her behind. Nothing was ever the same again. Severus closed his eyes 
ignoring the throbbing pain in his chest. He recalled how her green eyes used to shine whenever she had learned something new, the passion and fire with which she fought for her values, and how her fingers glided through her straight red hair. Expecto Patronum a silver doe jumped out of the tip of his wand and ran up to the Dementor. The animal lowered her head and pushed the Dementor away. Severus watched as his Patronus for a while. It was a truly magnificent animal, and he was both proud and relieved that even after everything, he was still able to produce a real Patronus. Knowing something wasn't right, he walked back to the house of the Dursleys. Through the window, he watched the family. Petunia was feeding the fat child, making noises only a pet would be able to hear. Little Harry reached out, trying to get the bits of food his cousin had dropped, but Petunia shoved him aside. Just like with the chalks earlier, the boy wasn't able to stand up for himself. He was whining, and his aunt hissed at him. Big tears fell from the green eyes, Lily's eyes. His chest ached. Severus couldn't stand watching Lily's eyes cry. The longer he watched the little boy, the more he understood. It was the little one's misery that made this area so attractive for the Dementor. He sighed. Turning away, he apparated back home as quietly as he could. Severus poured himself another glass of gin. The flavor of the juniper berries was very strong, and the spicy drink burned his throat again. Looking at his bookshelf, he grabbed a notebook and a bottle of gin and apparated to Malfoy Manor. He was standing in the grand entrance hall, sizable jack-o'-lanterns surrounding him. Severus, what can I do for you? Lucius asked as he entered the hall. Severus handed him the bottle of gin and followed the older wizard outside. Draco was making rounds on his toy broom, hovering a meter up of the terrace. Lucius poured them each a drink, never letting the little boy out of sight. Little Draco was giggling and his father was beaming with pride. The boy was incredibly confident on his broom already. I need a time-turner, Severus said. Lucius looked at him for a second and chuckled. For a moment, I thought you were serious. It's Halloween, not April the 1st. I saw Potter's child, he started. And it's just wrong. I need to change it. Potter's child? Are you sure you're not talking about your little Gryffindor friend? Lucius asked. He paused for a moment. Time-turner? Those are extremely rare and hard to come by. Always the businessman, Severus, retrieved a notebook from his robes and handed it to the blonde wizard. This is a full collection of all my optimized potions and recipes. It's yours. For commercial use, of course. Lucius flipped through the pages. He took a deep breath, his gaze wandering to Draco. What exactly is your plan? I find myself in a good position, and I would hate to see it changed. Nothing is going to change. Lily is supposed to be dead. I'll just go back in time and take her to the future. So for anyone who isn't involved, the world will still be the same. Hmm. I should hope so, Lucius said in Asiot Pox. 
He cast a series of charms before tapping his wand against the pearl-decorated box. The box opened up. Inside was a silver, single silver time-turner. Lucius reached inside and handed it to Severus. You have a time-turner? A collectible. I would like it back, Lucius said. Severus apparated to Godric's Hollow. Standing in front of the destroyed house, he put the chain around his neck and turned the intricate device. The world was spinning around him, and suddenly the house before him was whole again. He took a deep breath and knocked on the door. It felt like an eternity until the door opened. Severus, what are you doing here? How did you find me? Lily led him inside, closing the door behind them quickly. What do you want here? Her red hair was greasy, and her eyes were purple and swollen. She looked tired and worn down. Lily didn't even seem to be bothered by the fact that there was tomato sauce on her oversized t-shirt or that she wasn't wearing anything else. The living room was a mess. Clothes were scattered around, and empty bags of crisps were laying around. Dirty plates and glasses were piled up on the couch table, and toys were scattered throughout the room. "'Are you alone?' Severus asked, trying not to stumble over a wooden car. "'Of course I'm alone. This is a safe house. People don't just come and go. "'Who do you think is supposed to be here?' Lily snapped. "'Your husband?' "'Oh, James.' He isn't here. I've been thinking this past year since you've died, and I realized that I couldn't live without you. I need you to give me a chance. Come with me. I can be a better husband. By the looks of it, Potter set the bar pretty low. Lily sighed. Truth be told, there's nothing I would rather do than leave this place, but I can't. I need to protect Harry. You know better than anyone else the danger he's in. Her gaze wandered to his wrist. The accusation felt like he was stabbed with a knife. His loyalty was to her and her only. Severus pulled the time-turner from beneath his robes and showed it to her. With this, the war won't be a problem any longer. When? Lily asked. One year from now. Only one year? Her lips twitched as she started thinking. Do you, do you remember how close we were? We used to do our homework together, competing for better marks how we used to spend the summer sitting beneath the old chestnut tree. Lily closed her eyes. A smile covered her lips. Severus closed the gap between them. They were eye to eye. She swung her arms around his neck and pressed a kiss against his lips. He stood there frozen for a moment before placing his hands on her back and pressing her against him. Goosebumps covered his arm and his nostrils were hit by her strong, unique scent. Melting into her sweet kiss, he never wanted to let go of her. This was all he had ever wanted. They slowly parted. Severus licked his lips, savoring every bit of her. Lily looked at him with her magnificent green eyes. She took a step away from him. We're not teenagers anymore. Just look at me. I'm tired. 
I haven't left this house in months. Lily sniffed on her shirt, and I haven't showered in days. This doesn't make me want you any less. Her gaze wandered to Harry. I am a mother now, the mother of James's child. You're safe with me, away from the war. Both of you are, Severus argued. Lily closed her eyes and took a deep breath. She lifted little Harry from the ground, handed him to Severus. I need to take a shower, get dressed, and pack. He watched her leave the room, leaving him alone with the mini potter. He was appalled by the little thing. His hair was ridiculous, and his nose was so James. Harry looked at him with those eyes. Lily's eyes, and the longer he looked at the little baby in his arms, the less he saw his school nemesis, but the witch he loved. "'What am I going to tell James?' Lily asked, putting her bag onto the table. "'You don't have to tell the Dunderhead anything. He's dead,' Severus thought. "'That you can't be with him any more. That you now have a new life.' He kept staring at the baby boy. Not knowing what to do, Lily nodded. She picked up a ball pin and started writing a note. Sorry, James. I can't do it anymore. I am with Severus. You'll see us again in a year. Take care of yourself, Lily. She left the note on the table. Lily returned to Severus and crawled beneath the chain of the time-turner. She looked around the room and asked Harry's stuffed dog. Placing the plush animal in her boy's arm, she looked at Severus. I'm good to go. He quickly turned the gears, not wanting to risk her changing her mind. The world around them lost focus. Everything was spinning around them, and Harry was whining in his arms. They found themselves in a completely destroyed house. Lily gasps. What happened here? Let's go. Severus apparated them to his place in Spinner's End. He kissed her as soon as they landed. He felt Lily capture his lower lip. He stopped for a moment, and the world around him disappeared, melting under her gentle touch. Everything around him disappeared, until Harry made a sound. They reluctantly separated. She tended to Harry, who looked confused by the unfamiliar surroundings. Lily took her time to take in the room. The massive bookshelf in particular caught her interest. She let her fingers run along the spines of the books. Those don't sound like they're about legal forms of magic, she said. Severus took a step back. He felt scolded and patronized. Lily still didn't understand him. I need to return this to Lucius, he said, hoping he could avoid the confrontation. You're still hanging with him? I knew you wouldn't understand, Severus said, retrieving his cloak. Then explain it to me. Her eyes, her green eyes were teary. Lucius is the closest thing to a friend I have. Unlike you, he actually made sure I didn't do anything stupid, even when I had just joined the Dark Lord's ranks and was eager to prove myself. I get that, but why do you need to use the Dark Arts to begin with? I have a child. If I should give you a chance, then I need to know that Harry isn't in danger, or that you won't be a bad influence on him, or would end up in prison or something. 
I like to know things. It makes me feel strong and powerful and superior, he added in his thoughts. Lily raised her finger. Just for the sake of knowledge, nothing else. One wrong step, one lie, and I'll be gone. I've been trying I've been trying to get into into contact with James, Lily said. Anger boiled up in him. His hand formed a fist. He'd never wanted to hear that person again. Lily was his now, and he wasn't going to let anything come between them. I've heard he's in St. Mungo's. He's been there for about a year. Did you know about it? No. He really didn't. Severus had thought James was dead like he was supposed to be. We need to visit him. He hasn't seen Harry in a year, Lily said. Severus wanted to protest, but he didn't want to fight with Lily. They entered the hospital together. The atmosphere was tense as they approached the permanent ward of St. Mungo's. Harry was uneasy and whining. A nurse led them to James. A shame what happened to him. They were looking for Harry, but he wouldn't say a word, so they tortured him. Lily gasped when she saw him. Potter was sitting at a table, letting a marble roll around him as his head lolled from side to side uncontrolled. She sat down opposite him, but he didn't stop playing with the marble. Lily placed her hand on his, but he didn't react. Severus was boiling inside. He hated watching his Lily with Potter. A part of him was contemplating what Hex used, but he didn't want to upset her. I'm so sorry, James. I never wanted you to get hurt, but I just couldn't stay any longer. You're a good man. I've brought you Harry. Lily held out the little boy. Potter showed the slightest bit of reaction upon hearing Harry's name. Until next time, Lily said, and after a few minutes, forcing herself to smile. She reached out to Severus and took his hand. She saw the nurses whispering, but she didn't cave in. Severus took Harry to Malfoy Manor. He wanted him to play with Draco while he chatted with his old friend. He had brought him with he had brought with him Harry's colored chalks too, because his place had no garden, and the street was rather busy. Harry couldn't use the chalks up until then. Severus and Lucius were sitting on the terrace, with a glass of gin in their hands, watching the boys play. You look happy, Lucius stated. I am, Severus said, watching Harry draw circles onto the terrace with his chalks. What are your plans? I'll resign at Hogwarts after this is getting her marriage. After this, uh, Lily is getting her marriage annulled, and we'll start a little apothecary. I want to sell personalized potions, something you can't offer with Malfoy Medicals. I should hope Evans will take care of customer service, Lucius said dryly. Harry giggled. His jumper was full of chalk, and he had taken out every color in the set. Draco approached him and tried to take the blue chalk out of his hand. Why he wanted the blue one, when there were countless others lying around, only Draco knew. Harry, though, took the red one and threw it at the blonde boy with all his might. Severus laughed. He was so proud of his boy. He had already learned to fight for himself. Draco ran to his father. He was crying loudly and clinging on to his feet. Severus saw his friend's jaw twitch. Lucius took a generous gulp of the gin. 
He was fighting hard not to give in to the impulse of kicking the annoying child away. I envy you. No matter what I do, I could never divorce Narcissa, remarry, and have a million more children, but, but I would never get rid of Draco. You have no obligations. If you found yourself tired of this life one morning, you could just walk away and start over. Lucius was right. He had no real obligation to Harry. They weren't related. In fact, the only reason they cared for each other was that he just so happened to love the woman who had birthed the boy. But Harry had no one else. Potter couldn't take care of him, and Lily needed someone to support her. It wouldn't be fair to either of them if he just left. And more importantly, Severus wanted to be the kind of person they could rely on. He didn't want to have the same troubled relationship with Harry as he'd had with his parents. Maybe he could even learn to love him in the future. He might not have been obligated to do so, but at this point in his life, he was ready for it. Severus wanted to make a commitment not only to Lily, but also to Harry. He was going to raise the boy and be the best role model he could be. No. We're in this together. To the trappings of parenthood, Lucius said, raising his glass. All right, my friends. And that was a wrap for this wonderful story. I'm going to take a quick break, and then we will be right back. Hi, and welcome back to Seppa Stories. All right, so this is the commentary portion of this episode. If you'd like to stick around for a bit of dialogue about this story, uh, please do. If you'd like to skip the commentary and go on to the next story, we have another wonderful selection um, waiting after this episode. This would be the time to do that. If you'd like to hang in here for our commentary, stick around. We're going to talk a little bit about the snake and the lion. Okay, there were a lot of things I loved about this story. And you can hear the exuberance in my voice because I really loved this story. I liked that Cerverus, um you know, to me, I think he's a really dynamic and, and really wonderful character as portrayed by Alan Rickman. And in the books, I like how snarky and sarcastic and really um, rigid the character is. And then, of course, you find out how complicated Severus Snape is in the story. Maybe a bit stalky and, you know, maybe maybe not all the way a good wizard. You know, he's he's complicated. Maybe you could even argue that he's not a good wizard at all, you know, that he has purely selfish motivations. And that's why I like this particular story. I thought this story very clearly showed the selfishness of Severus Snape, how he works to his own end, his inner Slytherin really shines. And then in adopting Harry in, in a roundabout way by bringing Harry into his life and taking Lily and Harry both into the future, he makes a conscious decision to want to be the best role model for Harry. And that kind of shows maybe a bit of redemption that he's not all the way a purely dark wizard. So 
but he's not good either. And that's what I love about the Severus Snape characters. You don't know really if he's good or bad. He's just what he is. Okay, so here are some details that I thought were wonderful. I loved how the story opens. It's Halloween and you have children. And we know that, um, of course, Severus is at Spinner's End. And Severus being, you know, um, half half wizard and half a muggle um, it was, is exposed to or is in an area where muggle children would come to his torture trick or treat and so they do and I loved how in a very snarky and, and <laughs> not even thinking you know Severus takes some some old kind of <laughs> wizened apples that I guess were by, by a wooden table it says by the wooden table next to the door and, and without even thinking he just dumps them you know into the kids candy bags and I thought that that was wonderful and then just slams the door and that is to me I think classic Severus Snape and I thought this writer captured that snark and sarcasm <laughs> just you know Severus being Severus beautifully just in the opening and and honestly when I read this when I was first reading this that was the scene that, that I thought oh, okay if the rest of the story flows like this very first opening this is going to be a good one and I was not disappointed I do love how Severus you know is thinking about Lily and you know his his role in her death and I've often thought in reading the books and in watching the films, you know, how how tragic this character was, you know, and having listened to and having listened to the prophecy that Trelawney um have spoken, him only getting half of it, how his actions in the canon directly lead to to her death. And even with him trying to save her life, no one could have predicted that there was also another dark wizard, you know, with Peter, Peter Pettigrew betraying them to Voldemort. So it didn't matter that even though he had, Severus had offered himself basically serving two masters, you know, Voldemort or the Dark Lord and Albus Dumbledore, in the end, it didn't matter. Lily was still killed. Um, that James James Potter was also killed, which Severus isn't so much concerned with James Potter having been a past bully of his and having won the object of his affection away from him. And I don't think Severus had too much feeling feeling bad remorse about about James ending you know meeting his end, but he certainly did about Lily. Lily was the only thing I think he cared about or was capable of caring about the only person that he cared about so I I thought that it was interesting that Severus would go and seek out Petunia and of course the you know Harry which is Lily's child and you kind of wonder what his motivation was for that. You know, he had forgotten that it was Halloween in the story. And he goes and he he sees that Harry is being abused. And at first, he's excited that, you know, Harry is so defenseless and is being bullied. And I think he feels like he immediately associates the child, Harry, with James. And he's like, serves James, right? And, you know, and in projecting... James onto Harry. I thought that was a great detail because it recalled to me in the film 
in the Department of Mysteries when it was, of course, serious and, and Harry and they're battling, you know, the Death Eaters and, you know, Harry is dueling and, and Sirius screams out, good one, James. You know, of course, that was, that was Sirius missing his friend and, you know, and, and mistaking Harry for a moment for his best friend. And in this instance, um, you have Severus Snape seeing the child Harry and projecting his feelings of what he thought about James onto the child Harry who's being bullied you know and, and being being pushed around you know by his by his cousin and being disregarded by by Petunia so I thought that was an interesting uh, detail and I thought that was nicely put into the story I also liked when he comes up on the Dementor you know he was feeling quite happy about seeing Harry kind of get abused which again is the dark side of, of our wonderful Severus Snape character and when he sees the Dementor um, he drives the Dementor away goes back and he understands looking you know through the window kind of watching what's going on with Harry that Harry is very much abused and though the writer doesn't so much cover that in the story if you know about the Harry Potter series and you're a fan of the actual books, even the films, you know, they make an illusion that that Severus was abused by his father. And so maybe there is an undisclosed relationship or being able to look at Harry, you know, trying to eat the scraps and, you know, Petunia being really ugly to Harry as Severus is watching. Uh, maybe Severus in that moment could relate to the abuse that Harry is going through because he himself had been abused. And I think the clincher was seeing the big tears, you know, fell from the green eyes, Lily's eyes. And at that point, Harry doesn't become Harry anymore. Harry becomes Lily's child. And I think because of that transformation of Harry no longer being James's child, but being Lily's child, it makes him more capable of being open-hearted or open-minded and of course then the wheels start turning and he approaches Lucius Malfoy for use of a time turner. So I did like the device that Lucius is in possession of a time turner and I thought that that worked well. Um, I liked that Severus we know is Draco's godfather you know goes to the manor and he is bartering patents and and potions so that he can go and utilize you know to get permissions or get use of the time turner to take Lily and I think at this point he's only really thinking about Lily to bring her into the future you know, he wants Lily so Lucius agrees to help his friend which we've read the story and he goes back in time and he approaches Lily so Lily departing from being devoted to James, you know, that, that's where we have fan fiction in the series. You know, it's James and Lily and Harry, and that's a pretty strong unit. In this story, she decides to leave James. And so I thought that this trope and this take on her abandoning her marriage, but not abandoning her child, you know, was was a really workable device it, it worked for me like she was 
so unhappy, I think, in the, in the position she was in. You know, she hadn't had a bath. She's in charge of a kiddo, you know, and you know, of Harry. And the house is a mess. And she's got tomato stains on her T-shirts. And as a young mother, I had children myself. And when they were little, it, it was nonstop chasing after little guys. And so I understand that. I thought I thought that was believable. And yes, you know, your house is always a mess and the kids are always into something and, you know, and, and, and they require 24-hour care. So, you know, if you're a parent, you have a lot of time. You don't sleep. You, you, you are a mess and your house is always upside down no matter how hard you try. So I thought that worked. You know, and, and on top of that, you have an absentee James. You know, he should be in the safe house, and where is he? Because he's not there helping Lily. And so I think this really clinches the deal for Lily to, she's just like, I just can't do it anymore, and she, she goes with Severus. So I thought that it worked. You know, and of course, Severus gets what he wants, and even though he brings Lily into the future, um, I've never been a huge fan of the Lily, of Lily Evans or Lily Potter. Um, I've always felt that if she were really a good friend to Severus or cared about him even half as much as a friend as he did for her, even with his bad choices, she would have found a way to to be his friend or to protect him. You know, if they grew up together as children, you know, unless just calling her a bad name. Um, when he and then of course you know he tries to get her forgiveness and she doesn't give her forgiveness um, you, you kind of wonder how much of a good friend was she all along or was the need for friendship more on his part than her part because even in this story she's still making ultimatums and making demands of Severus which of course he kind of caves and gives in where she's like well no dark magic you know and you know, I don't want him to be influenced badly rather than, and of course she doesn't know. She has no idea how time would have unfolded to understand what he's done for her in bringing her to the future. I think she just sees, you know, that her moment that she's there with him and, you know, she's still making demands of Severus. And I think he just wants her so badly in his life that he's going to pretty much um, accept her demands even to to raising you know Harry but you know he's still very much snarky and and he's thinking well she still doesn't understand and and so then of course we have the the unfolding that James is alive and she wants to go and see James and you know she's already agreed to leave James now she wants to see James and to me this I think reflects the Lily character pretty well I'm not a huge Lily fan I think I've mentioned that but I thought that this worked for the character in this story. You know, she left her husband to go with Severus, and now she wants to go and see her husband. And it just seems like in this story, the way this character is written, that, you know, she would be flighty in this sense, you know, that she would be not definite about making any kind of decision, kind of a kind of a wreck. So um, they go to see James, and James, of course, doesn't recognize her really and only just kind of barely reacts when he sees Harry or Harry is presented to him. And Severus is really the person that's there. So I thought that that was an interesting unfolding of the story. And then we later come into the story where Lucius and 
Severus are together back at Malfoy Manor, and Draco and Harry are playing together. So in this reality, Draco and Harry might grow up to be friends. And, you know, they're having, they have kind of a little altercation where Draco tries to take chalks away from Harry, and Harry pretty much, you know, throws another one at him, and it makes Draco cry. So, you know, kids being kids. So maybe maybe in this universe Harry and Draco grow up as friends or maybe frenemies but they're going to grow up together um, and I, I think because of the relationship of Lucius and of course Severus and the destiny unfolds a bit differently with Lily now in the story as well so I actually would like to see more of this story if there's any criticism I have at all it's that this feels more like a first chapter of something that could be a much bigger piece of writing. You know, it would be really fun to see the relationship develop between Harry and Severus and Lily, and of course with Lucius and Draco um, thrown in as side characters. You know, what what happens with Lily? Does she ever appreciate what Severus has done for her, or does she ever get a glimpse of what her future could have been, or Harry's future could have been? Um, is she faithless in that maybe she leaves Severus, you know, and they find a cure for James? I mean, these are really all different kinds of possibilities that could happen still with the story. And that right there is what good fan fiction is all about. When you read a piece of writing that a writer has produced and published, even if it's, you know, just maybe a one shot or it's a single piece of writing and there there was a lot that happened here i would consider this almost like a multi-chapter more than there's a lot of different things there's a lot of different movement and timing and setting that that happen here but i would love to see this fleshed out and see this become an even bigger piece of writing i think there's a solid foundation for that to happen as a standalone i love it as is but it would be amazing to have a few more chapters where, you know, how how close will Severus and Harry be with, you know, Severus as a surrogate father? Or, you know, will he grow to love the boy on his own, love Harry on his own, maybe more than, than Lily as, a, you know, in his role as his adoptive father? Would Lily maybe be a better person? I don't know, but... It made me think, and when a piece of writing makes you think, you know you're on to something. So, Kokoro893, I loved your story, and thank you so much for contributing this piece of writing and allowing me to read your wonderful work, for giving me the permissions to share this piece of writing with our podcast listeners. I thought this was a lot of fun to to read and I hope it was fun to listen to. I love Severus Snape in this story. He's still what he is. He's not good. He's not bad. He's just what he is and that is ambitious and for himself and it works. It absolutely works. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you listeners for listening into this episode. I hope you enjoyed this story. And our writer, thank you so much for contributing this story to be included in our SEPA Stories podcast. We are so very appreciative of having your wonderful work on our podcast.
All right, so next time we are going to be looking at a really fun story uh, that has a Draco and Hermione pairing. And so we will see you next time. And thank you again for listening to Seppa Stories. If you've liked listening to this podcast, you enjoy these stories, please follow me on Spotify or on Apple iTunes. I think we're on Breaker, Google Podcasts. Give us a follow and then you'll be updated every time there's a new story. And I've got about nine episodes coming up that'll be read pretty quickly and back to back. So we've got a lot of new fiction coming up. I'll kind of give you a heads up. I have a Scorpius Albus Dumbledore story popping up. I will have a wonderful story that will be uh, coming that's a Severus Snape Hermione pairing coming up. I have preview a third rollout or a part three uh, written by Professor SS19 on the way. This is called One Murder. So earlier in our episode, episode five, we have one condition and one plot. So we have the next unfolding of this series. I'm so excited to present that for you. We have another story written by Trink is me. It's called The Falls. That will be upcoming. And lastly, I have a really wonderfully exuberant writer, um, Emily Frode, uh, Half a Man. So these are upcoming stories that will be read and shared for you. So stay tuned. If you like what you're hearing, give me a follow, give me a share, and we will see you next time on Seppa Stories. <laughs>